I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. All right, we're here. Welcome. Woo! Understanding Jesus. We're we're in a rhythm. Last week, now we're here back again this week. And yeah, we're um, killing it. Yes, right. And here's what we're doing, Daniel. For this podcast, we are, since we missed so many, we are going to look at all the readings for the entire month of August. <laughs> now, here's why this is so amazing. Because in August, we did Esther, Job, Ecclesiastes, and we also did Romans and 1 Corinthians. So there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of stuff, a lot of content. Psalms 90 through uh, 104, and uh, and actually some really good psalms in there too. Uh, yeah. Proverbs 22 all the way to Proverbs 24. So uh, so we have um, uh, things we're going to cover for that. So there's no shortage on things to talk about uh, today because Esther alone. Uh, could take the entire podcast. Job yeah. could take 12 podcasts. <laughs> you know, and the only thing about reading through Job, what is when uh, if if you were doing the reading, Job is a is a long book in where it falls in, because uh, it's much longer than the books surrounding it. Uh, so you uh, you get through Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther, and they go pretty quickly as far as readings go. Mm-hmm. And then you get to Job, and it's like you're gonna park there for a little bit because <laughs> Job takes a while, and Job. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's tedious, but it is. It's wisdom literature, and so it's uh, it's meant. Uh, usually, you don't get that much content of that type uh, in one sitting. But uh, it starts out really strong with the interaction between Satan and God and Job's afflictions, and everybody's familiar with that part. But when the when the friends are going off on him, uh, and then Job responds, and then friends go off on him, and then Job responds, it's back and forth. forth. It does kind of get, it's like, wow, we just, and they talk a lot about talking. Mm. It's like, I'm getting ready to tell you something amazing. Boy, I'm really getting ready to say something. And they say like the same stuff. Over, over and, and over, over again, and yeah. yeah. So it's uh, it's not the greatest for reading all the way through, uh, but in bite-sized pieces, it does pretty well. And then it ends uh, powerfully. So, um, but there are within it, within it, and it and it is worth going through it because in embedded inside of those moments where there's these interactions, there are some really amazing uh, tidbits of knowledge. Now, one just one thing about Job to keep in mind is that when you are reading what his friends are saying, do not necessarily take, remember, they are... They're the bad guys. They're the bad guys. So they may be saying something, and they definitely have been quoted out of context. So when they told Job that he should just kill himself, so you're saying I shouldn't take that. <laughs> that's right. Don't take that literally. Okay, yes. okay. Yeah. Don't take Thanks. that as a word from God. See, that's good. Now yeah, I know. That's good information, yeah. yeah. All right, so... And, um, well, and then, uh, so Job, and then Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes... We did the whole thing in in the the Job and Ecclesiastes ones we did entirely in the month of August, and Ecclesiastes also uh, can be a little bit challenging. It's not as long; doesn't take as long to read through, but wow, it's it's one that you really need to understand the context of it. Mm. And so, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, Psalms, Proverbs, and then Romans. You know, if there was a book of the Bible outside the Gospels 
that um, I would say would is the most important book for understanding our theology. It is the letter to the Romans, mm. and well, really, and that's why Paul wrote it. Paul had not been to Rome, and so he was writing a letter to the Romans saying, "Here's everything you should be believing." And here's 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 me teaching. Since he didn't establish that church, it was basically saying, "Here's the doctrine that you need to be very familiar with." If you think of it, the the letter to the Romans is is like a letter to us because it's the same premise. Paul didn't start our churches. He wasn't here to get us started, but here we are. And so it's like receiving a letter from Paul and him going, "Hey, heard great things about you, but here's some things you want to make sure you know and understand." And so, so just so meaty uh, within the uh, the book, uh, Letter to Romans. And then First uh, Corinthians, um, wow, that's a whole yeah. other animal. And so the Church of Corinth had all kinds of problems. Again, uh, our churches have all kinds of problems. So Paul dealt with things within that uh, that context, uh, that uh, church with a lot of problems, and, and, and said some very encouraging things and some things that uh, I think are some of the most meaningful things we find uh, in Scripture. So all that we are going to cover today and we will get started right after this all right we are back here we go we got a lot of ground to cover troy oh man are you ready i'm ready do you want to start do you want me to start um go ahead and start that way i won't i won't trample all over your stuff oh thank you thank you (laughs) um man where to because we are in job and romans and first corinthians and some of my favorite psalms are in this chapter uh, or this this month that we're trying to cover. So if we don't hit your favorite part, um, just email us, text us. We'd love to hear. We'll cycle back sometime and we'll talk about it. But we're going to hit some just major, major highlights from it all. Um, I'm going to start off in Job because that's the first thing I wrote down. Awesome. Um, I'm going to turn there briefly. Um, but Job, if you're not familiar with Job, right, I'll, I'll just give a synopsis and Troy can fill in my, my gaps. But Sweet. basically Job, um, you're given that he is a man who lives righteously. He loves the Lord. He actually offers sacrifices on behalf of his kids. And he has seven sons. And each night uh, of the week, they go to each son's house and have share a meal together. And at the end of the week, he makes a sacrifice for them all in case they've sinned. Now that's that probably isn't supposed to translate to today's repentance for your family, but that's what he was doing. He was so dedicated to raising his family for the Lord, right? And Satan comes up to God, and he says, God, I think Job is not all you think he is, and God says, want to bet. And they have this whole thing. Job loses everything. His whole family is killed, and um, he loses his um, relationship with his, his unity with his wife. She's still there, but they're not in unity anymore. He loses his health. And ultimately, it's just this sorry sack of nothing, and his friends are getting on to him, and you have this whole book, and ultimately, Job just gets worn down to his like last fiber shred of faith, and he cries out to God as, as would be our response on a best day, right? Like, I feel like God takes everything from me, and I, if, if I come to him over it, I feel like that's a big act of faith on my part. So mm. just the fact that he's addressing God, crying out, is a good thing. Now, right. Job's words are not kind to God. Mm. And he complains a little bit, a lot. Okay, he complains a lot. Yeah. And uh, he said, God, why did you allow me to be born? I hate this. Why, why would you build me up just to let me crash down? And God um, talks back to him. Mm. And, um, at and the it's very great. end. At the very end, yeah. we, are, we have now 
traveled 37 chapters in <laughs> a minute and a half of talking. But here we are in Job 38 through kind of the beginning of 40. Um, God answers Job, and um, he says, it says in verse 31, or um, verse 1 of chapter 38, and the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, so right now God's been silent to Job. Mm. And God, Job complains, and then this tornado-type thing comes out of nowhere and says, who are you to talk to me mm. like that? Um, where And we're reading it, sympathizing with Job this whole time. Like, Job's his hero. He's held out for this long. God surely is going to give him an attaboy. But no, Job gets shot down. Um, do you, and he says, Job, are you the one who did this? Are you the one who causes the sun to rise? Are you the one who created these enormous beasts that rule the planet? Are you the mm. one who um, who causes lightning to go where um, you want it to? Are you the one that, that changes the star constellations? Where were you when I did these things? Oh, you weren't around. That's right. I hadn't created humanity yet. Mm. So... Um, Job just gets shot down and put in his place. And I don't know why I love that so much. <laughs> I think it's because I think it's because of my bad days. My bad days are never as bad as, as this Job guy mm-hmm. are. But on my bad days, I want permission to complain to God that he has made a mistake somewhere along the line or that he hasn't filled me in enough for my liking. For example, mm-hmm. right now, if you are, you know, if it's past the year 2020 when you're listening to this podcast, you may mm-hmm. recall that we went through something a little crazy with the COVID thing. And right now, a pandemic, a pandemic. And right now it feels like, like in church leadership, it's hard. It's hard yeah. all around. Everyone's yeah. going through hard stuff. But um, for me, I just feel this like, God, I know you haven't made a mistake. Right. I know that the, all things um, are coming together for good. Right. But you haven't filled me in on it. And I'm, I'm straight up. I, I get frustrated at all the all the bad that I see. And it's not just the pandemic, it's the social unrest and it's all the things that are going on and I just get up I just get, get tired. And I sometimes in my in my darkest moments I think I get frustrated with the Lord that he hasn't at least clued me in because I right. trust him but I am not happy right. with what, the way things are going. And chapters like this are just so um it's like it's like putting that thing on a wound that's supposed to heal it but hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the kind of vibe that I get from these chapters because I wasn't anywhere either when God made the plan for humanity. You yeah. know, when he, when Satan, um, when whatever forces that came to God asking for permission to allow all this in our nation, God said yes mm-hmm. for whatever reason, and um, and I just have to be trusting of that. Mm. I don't get to come to God and say, hey. Um, you know, you made a mistake or you should have clued me in. No, he shouldn't have. I have yeah. no, he has no obligation to do that. He's God. And I like to humanize him more than I need to be. Right. You know, and so, um, and and at the end in, in Job 40, verse 3, Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I'm insignificant. What can I reply to you? I lay a hand on my mouth once I've spoken and will not answer, even twice, and I'll add no more. So hmm. Job learns the lesson. This is, I think, feel like this is the wisdom. Job is included in the wisdom literature. And you're reading it and you're like, why? Right. Why is this a wisdom literature? And and that's the wisdom at the end. You just shut up and let God do what God does and trust him. Hmm. And I don't know. That's that's where I that's what I got from Job. Which is awesome. And and I, 
you know, one of the things about Job that uh, sometimes we lose sight of is, is that uh, because it, it focuses on Job is good and, and all these different things and why did he deserve all this and so forth. Really, if you, if you, if you look at what's happening, Satan approaches God and or God approaches Satan yeah. and or they're having this discourse. And he says, have you considered my servant Job? He just throws him out there. And Satan's like, well, the only reason he's righteous is because he hasn't really been tested. And God basically is saying, well, then test him. Mm. And and so he does, and he and he uh, does all takes away everything that he has. And he says, and Job doesn't sin. And so he says, well, it's because he hasn't uh, hasn't uh, his self hasn't been afflicted. So he says, okay, well then you can you can touch his body, you can physically afflict him, but you can't kill him. And so then he gets all these boils all over him, and he's in pain, and he's wretched, and so forth. And then there's there's no more Satan coming to God and asking permission, but then you have these friends come who are just horrible to Job and continually, first his wife tells him to curse God and die, and then his friends come. And really, if you think of it in, in the context of that test is still continuing on, that Job mm-hmm. is still being assaulted, Yeah. really the story is that Job eventually finds the, the breaking point is found. And... And really the – I keep saying really over and over again. But the, but the sure. thing that God is revealing to us is everybody has a breaking point. All of us mm. are going to reach a place in which we fail God. There is none of us who are righteous, not even Job. Job, the most righteous of men that God ever threw before. You know, he says, God, when God highlights you and says, this guy's pretty righteous – but even then, it's as if God is saying, I'm going to find his breaking point. We're going to show him that he is not as righteous not as, he, as he believes himself to be because Job himself needs a savior. Mm. We all need a savior. And so we all are going to have that breaking point. So really, the story is telling you, here's where Job, Job, Job went much further than I do. Because when God does the same thing to me, it's like, uh, have you considered Troy? Let's find his breaking point. Oh, that took 35 seconds. <laughs> yeah, the book, of, the book of this Daniel would be about four chapters long. That's right. That didn't take very long. <laughs> oh, I broke his toy, and now he's upset. <laughs> he's cursing God. Uh, so so there's not really a, a real in-depth need to reveal my own inadequacies. But, that's, but that is what happens in our lives, is the tests are coming to show us us, that we are not as strong as we think we are. We're not as holy as we think we are. We're not as righteous as we think we are. And God reveals that. He the things come and He reveals you need a Savior. You need my. You cannot do this on your own. It's like a parent looking at a, a strong-willed child and the strong-willed child saying, "I can do this. I can do this." And the parent going, "Okay, knock yourself <laughs> out. Let's see what you can do. Let's see how far you can go." And then and then realizing that they can't do it. And and there's a frustration between the child and the parent. But the parent is just simply revealing the child's inadequacies and the need for the parent. Uh, and so that's that's what God is – it's always good for us to remember. Uh, we were never meant to do this on our own. We were we were meant to ask um, God for help, which brings me to mine. Ooh. It's like the uh, Bible's connected. It is like the Bible's connected. We, we highlighted this in our uh, study of Romans last week, but it is one of my – I even highlighted during our study of Romans. And, and if you – and if you are – not doing anything on Wednesday evenings, we do a Zoom Bible study. Shameless plug. It is a shameless plug. And uh, tomorrow night, we're actually going to start live streaming. So there'll be a Facebook live stream and also Zoom interactions. So you can uh, you can just watch it uh, or in text. You can 
chat uh, online, participate, or you can actually be a part of the Zoom. We give the Zoom link and so forth. But if you're not doing anything on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock and you just want to join us online for Bible study, it is a COVID-friendly Bible study environment. So I hope you will join us. But anyway, we were, we're, we're right now we're going to the book of Romans. And um, we, um, we're looking at chapter 7. And in chapter 7, uh, Paul is really kind of spelling out, here is the problem of sin that each of us have. And he says, um, he says these words. He says, For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Mm. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good, so now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. Uh, I... I that that passage is so important to me because it's Paul saying the you're failing that God knows you cannot do this. He knows that you are unable, incapable of walking in holiness as spelled out by the law. He points out he's he's pointing out to the Romans that the law is good that be, just by the fact that you know that when you say I when you lie and you feel guilty for lying, the fact that you feel guilty for lying and say, I shouldn't have lied, that you re- that you say lying is wrong, is you recognizing that the law not to lie is good. Because if, you're, if you know that what you're doing is wrong, then the law that tells you that what you're doing is wrong if you is then good. Uh, and, and you're affirming that. But greater than that, uh, it, it kind of highlights that all of us are lured into this thing called sin and our bodies our physical beings have a propensity to sin. We are, we are, we are bent toward it. We naturally commit sin. In, in one of the commentaries of the, of the Bible that I use, uh, it, it gives us amazing... I'm trying to think of the Bible. It's, uh, it's a Baker Illustrated Study Bible. It's really it's actually perked up to be one of my favorite, one of my more favorite Bibles. I don't want to say it's my favorite, but mm. I do really enjoy it. Among the favorites. <clears throat> Among my favorites, yes. Uh, but this is what it says... Uh, about sin's mode of operation is described with the word deceive, which takes up Genesis 3:13, where Eve laments that the servant, serpent has tricked her. When we interpret Genesis 3 not only as the story of the fall of Adam and Eve, but also as the fundamental narrative of human existence, we see that sin deceives in three ways. One, sin distorts the divine commandment by emphasizing seemingly negative aspects of God's will. So what he's saying is, is that sin comes along and you and you see, uh, he comes and tells us that it highlights the negative points of what God's will is. Meaning mm-hmm. we we know what God wills to do, but Satan comes along and convinces us that if God's will is done, that's going to bring about bad things. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, why would God want this to happen? Because look at all the bad things that happen as a result of this happening. Now in the Garden of Eden, it, that was easy. He was saying, he came to him and said, hey. You know, if you don't eat of this tree, you're not going to be you're not going to be able to live up to your potential. You're not going to be all that you were meant to be. And so he's highlighting these negative aspects. He's like God is withholding something from you that that if you experienced it, it would be great and amazing. Now I can only think of a million times that has occurred in my own life where Satan comes and says, you know, if you do everything God wants you to do exactly like God wants you to do it, you're going to miss out on a lot of life. Mm. And uh, as if that were, as if there were, neg- as if they were negative things right. that I was missing out on. 
Two, the second thing, sin lets humans believe that disobedience against God's commandment will not be punished with death. Uh, again, that is rampant in our world today. Uh, uh, it, not only are we don't thinking about death, we don't think about hell, we don't think hell is real, we don't think that there's going to be some type of punishment or whatever. And and it's and we absolutely cannot connect that doing something small would result in death. That sin equals death. And and Paul says that in Romans, uh, for the wages of sin is death. And that that's not him saying uh, that's not a scare tactic. That's just a, a realistic fact. He's it's a it's a fact statement, meaning that the sin literally equals death. And that is what it always produces. That means whenever you allow sin in your life, that it is going to result in some type of dying, uh, that it brings about death in you and in the lives of others and in our world. COVID-19, when you look at who's responsible for the one million people so far who have died from this, well, it's sin. I mean, sin is the reason why everybody, every aspect of death is a result of sin. There is no connection to death with obedience to God. Mm. There's, uh, it is always a result of sin. And, uh, and so, but we, we disconnect. As Satan comes along and he deceives us. He deceives us into believing that we won't die. You know? And that's what he, again, going back to the garden, he says blatantly to Eve, you won't die. You, know, you surely won't die. You know, as if God is lying. You know? and, uh, and that's what he does in our lives. He's like, this isn't going to kill you. You know? But it will kill you. <laughs> and, uh, and, it, and it may not, you may not see the results of it instantly, but it brings about things that are going to result in our destruction. Mm-hmm. And the third thing, sin uses God's own law to cast doubt on the goodness of God and thus on the very identity of God, seeking to provide a reason for preferring self-determination over subjection to God. And this is a huge one because it is, uh, is him saying, it's us Sin comes in and Satan deceives us into believing that uh, obviously God's will isn't the right way to go. So we have to, uh, the character of God is assaulted, meaning God has mistakenly or because of who he is or whatever limitations he has on himself, we are, he is not going to be able to do what we need to have done in our lives. So we have to do it ourselves. And, and this is what, this is following Satan is when you, whenever you say, I've got to do this myself, God's not going to do it for me. Now you've, you've followed the same path that Satan took. Mm. And, and that's, that's rebellion against God. That self-determinism is characteristic of our world today. I've got to, God's not going to give me the identity I, I need to have. So I've got to find my own identity. God's not going to give me the love and purpose and sense of satisfaction that I need in my life. So I've got to find it myself. God's not going to reward me with the, the things, the pleasures that I want in life. He's going to deny me these pleasures of life. So I've got to get it myself. God's not going to take care of me. So I've got to take care of myself. God's not going to take care of my loved ones. So I've got to, I've got to take care of them. All this self-determined, God's not ever going to allow me to achieve my goals and to be what I need to be and so forth. And ultimately, God is not going to give me eternal life, so I've got to find it on my own. And when you see what the world is trying to do and trying to prolong longevity and focusing, one of the things that's happening right now is everybody has this fear of dying. 
And the reason why there's this hatred and vilification is, is this, you're killing, you know, anybody who looks at, you're not doing enough to save me. You're not doing enough to save me. You're not doing, the reason why you hear things like this, why we need a vaccine and we need this and we got to do this and we don't do this. We're going to, because they're afraid of dying Mm. and they're passionate because they believe that we are the ones who have to sustain our own lives. And so if we're not doing everything we can to sustain our own lives, then we're evil. And when in reality, God is the sustainer of our lives. He's the one who protects us. He will give us the wisdom we need. He will provide us the resources we need to protect ourselves. It's not saying to be foolish. I mean, Satan took Jesus up and said, plunge yourself down and God will hold you up, you know, and he won't let you die. And Jesus said, you know, you shouldn't tempt the Lord thy God. So you take the protections that he gives, but you don't feel like you have to do that. Mm. You know that God has to do that. So Paul is just... This to help us to understand the nature of sin and deception is to you know, it comes down to this: the truth of God's word is all we have. It is the fixed point in which we have to gauge everything else we do in life. And if we are looking at anything else for guidance or direction, it has the tendency to deceive us. Satan can use those things to lead us astray. And friends, well-meaning friends that speak into our lives or things we see on TV or just ideas that pop into our head, all of it has to be taken back to the Word of God and the truth has to be applied to it. And any contradiction it has to the truth of God's Word, we have to understand it's the deception of the enemy that's built into that to lead us astray. And, And that's what we see in our world today is so many people who are deceived. Mm. And and we can easily be deceived ourselves if we get away from God's word. Because things sound good. Right. You hear something and you're like, oh, that sounds right. You know, that sounds good. We need to do that. You need to stop every time and go, wait a second. What does God's word say? Does that match up with what God says? Um, or else sin will, because I cannot trust my eyes. I cannot trust my ears. I cannot. It's like going to watch an illusionist. Mm. You know, you think you see what you see. But you don't see what you see because he's very good at, you know, at distraction and redirection and things like that. Well, if he's good at it, right. Satan is infinitely better at it. <laughs> and uh, and that's, I mean, we've got something bigger than David Copperfield that's taking place in our world today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and don't be surprised that masses of people uh, fall in with it and believe it. Uh, it's only the truth of God's word that helps us to understand what's mm-hmm. real. That's crazy. I like how you went back to Genesis 3 because... It's like, like you said, like we we take that into like on our own. We take it like our lives in our own hands, mm-hmm. and we decide that yeah, I know good and evil better than God knows good and evil. It's right. the same choice that Adam and Eve had. It's like it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. It's the exact same offer. Take yeah. the fruit of the good and, knowing good and evil. You know it better. Yeah. Take it, yeah. and we I do it every time. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's. It's a man. So well, and, and and then Paul ends that by saying, "Who's and so I'm I'm this wretched person who always makes the wrong decisions mm. and always does the wrong thing." And he says, "How who's gonna a wretched man that I am? Yeah. Who's gonna deliver me from this?" And he says, "Thanks be to God for oh, Jesus yeah. Christ." You know, what yeah. I mean? and that's it is through Jesus that we are delivered from this sinful fate um, and uh, and given His Holy Spirit empowered to be obedient to Him. And apart from the empowerment of His Holy Spirit. We're just not, we're not capable of being holy. Right. And so then the rest of our lives just becomes a struggle between surrendering to the flesh and surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Eventually, God relieves us of that uh, struggle and mm-hmm. uh, destroys the flesh and 
uh, empowers the spirit and gives us a new body that's holy. So that'd be awesome. Yeah, awesome. It, it ends well. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, one more, Dan. Come on. Okay, Dan. one more. All right. Yeah. Um, man, how do you follow Romans like that? Um, Ecclesiastes. Bum, I'm, gonna, bum, I'm gonna go there. Oh, that's um, good. So, written by um, it's it's heavily implied that it's written by Solomon. Doesn't right. outright say, but there's heavy implication. I'm like, gonna give you that. Thank you, thank you. Um, it says it's the son of David. Solomon's one of the sons of David, and uh, the king, and we know that he's wealthy, right? So a little history on Solomon, if you're um, if you're tracking. I think we'll get more to Solomon, or we covered him in the Kings. Um, so um, he was so wealthy that silver wasn't valuable in Israel at that time. Like you'd find it on the side of the road because it wasn't. It was like pennies today, um, and he had so many wives. That there was no way he got around to them all to make to keep them happy. So, um, so Solomon has everything, right? And one thing that he asked God that he wanted at the very beginning of his kingship, he's, God appeared to him and said, "What do you want?" And he said, "I want wisdom." Mm. And God said, "Okay, I'll give you wisdom, and I'm going to give you everything else." Mm. Now, to Solomon, and when we first read that, that's awesome. That's great news. That's a huge blessing. But what Solomon didn't realize what God was saying is, I'm going to give you wisdom by giving you everything else. Mm. And so Ecclesiastes is like towards the end of Solomon's reign. And he's reading, he's not reading, he's writing this so that people that will follow him will not do what he did. Because he got the money, he got the security, he got the fame, he got everything. I mean, like the queen of the world, the queen of Sheba comes and asks him for advice. I don't know how more on top of the world you have to be, but he is the man that everyone wants to be with. He's, you cannot be more popular, rich, or successful than Solomon. Um, this guy who owns, um, for some reason his mind is escaping me, you know it, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's his name? Jeff Bezos. Bezos, thank you. Yeah. Trillionaire now. Yeah. Crazy. Um, not as wealthy because yeah. silver is still valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, Solomon is this insane guy. And so the book of Ecclesiastes is him systematically walking through everything that he's achieved in his life. Um, starts out with wealth, goes through to materialism, women, fame, all, um, wisdom itself, mm. you know, knowledge about things. Um, this guy uh, was not old when he received these things. And, um, and so it's just a system, like you read it and first read through Ecclesiastes kind of like, can we be done with this book? Mm. Because mm. this is not fun. No, there's like, he, this guy's not happy with anything mm. that he's received. And at the end, he said, wisdom, even life, nothing in life will give you happiness. That's that's the point of the book. And that's like the ultimate piece of wisdom that mm. he has to offer. Why is this man, at the end of his life, God says, there's nothing that you can have that's going to give you happiness. Mm. Uh, there's only reliance on me. And um, and man, I know like we we... We talk about this a lot, but I can't, no matter how much we talk about it, I'm always, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm reaching for that fruit all the time thinking that if I can have just this much money, if I can, I mean, I'm not asking for riches. And I just riches want not riches. to pay my bills. I just want enough to pay my bills. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm not going to trust God with a little bit of it. You know, I'm, right. I, I think I can do that. You know, I would, if people would like me just a little bit more, I'd be, and I spiritualize it, I'd be a better pastor mm-hmm. if people liked me a little bit better. Yeah. I'd be able to resonate with them. Um, I, I do whatever I need to do to make myself want more. Mm. And Solomon got it all. And at the end of his life, his his takeaway was just don't do that. Just right. 
be satisfied in the Lord. And that, that bounces to Psalm 90, um, which is, um, it says in verse 14, we covered it in this reading, uh, is satisfy us that we may sing for joy. And what I get from that psalm is this thing that that Ecclesiastes is going is riffing off of, is that who asks for satisfaction other than they who aren't satisfied? You know, mm-hmm. the psalmist is like, I'm not satisfied with what I have. Solomon wasn't satisfied with what I have. Only satisfaction comes from the Lord, and it's really easy to say on a podcast or on paper or in a message, like in a Sunday school lesson. But it's really hard to like actively live out and find your satisfaction there until God takes it away. Like, hmm. I don't want that to happen to me. Like, He can pull a job on me, but I don't want that. So, anyway, that's my Ecclesiastes rant. Um, <laughs> I love it. I like the book more the more I read it. Yeah. But I don't. I don't find good things about myself. There's a time for reading Ecclesiastes. Hey, and a time not to. <laughs> that's a quote from Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Uh, it's not in there, but, it, but um, it's a yeah, it's a rephrasing of it. Well, I I wanted to close out this segment yeah. with uh, Psalm 96. Mm. It says, "Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord, for He is coming. For He is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with His truth." You know, I read that. I uh, that was a. I'm looking at a journal from 10 years ago, and I certainly wasn't thinking of this year uh, being what <laughs> it is. But um, I, I, the thing that popped in my mind then was a, a scene from Lord of the Rings when uh, Geek Alert, <laughs> uh, the uh, when Saruman was having was raping the countrysides and pulling the trees in and so forth. And one of the things that Tolkien was trying to illustrate was. Uh, how the war machine was destroying the beauty of the earth and how the industrialization of, of our world, uh, you, I mean, you look back to a much simpler time. And, and we see that that now. I think there's, there's this misunderstanding uh, that uh, this, it's, it's almost like people who are God-fearers and followers of Jesus Christ are wanting to destroy the earth. That's the impression the world gets. When that's not true at all, and I, I and that's again that's part of the deception of the enemy. I think is that he tries to paint out the body of Christ as being people who don't respect the earth and who believe it just should blow up or whatever or be burned to a crisp. But uh, but no, I, I think we God God has inherently put inside of us. It's 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 our God who created this beauty and created this world, and we have. Uh, and we are to have a reverence for it, but to understand that um, sin is destroying it, and and that and that because of our our evil nature, our greed for more, that we 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 want more and more and more, and so we uh, you know everybody says I don't like have what having electricity does to the environment, but nobody wants to do without electricity. And everybody says I don't want to. I don't like what water bottles do the environment, but everybody wants to. Use, water bottles are super convenient, and so so we use them. And uh, and so it's 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 just very difficult for us to deny ourselves those things that make the world a better place. And and then our emphasis becomes on those things. But we but we missed a greater picture: is that God is coming back to that this world is under a path of destruction that can't be stopped. You know, everybody looks at the the 
polar ice caps and the rising of the seas or whatever. And I don't know whether that, I don't know if asteroids going to hit the earth or what's going to happen. But as I used to end every devotional when I was younger, it's all going to burn. <laughs> and uh, and it, it is, we are destroying it and we can't stop the destruction of it. God is going to come back and he is going to stop it by judging us. And when he brings judgment, uh, he will destroy all that is remaining of what's infected by sin and then redeem everything and create create all anew so that we can enjoy it the way it was meant to be enjoyed uh, for all eternity. And and that's that's a that's why our main goal needs to be getting reconciled to God. Not uh, necessarily, uh, I mean, I, I wrote in, I wrote, there's a plague and a sickness that is spreading across the world and all the earth, and humanity is infected with it. Jesus will return to remove it and will judge those who have, who have sought to spread it and not be healed of it. And there is a, a sickness that pervades us and our crying out to God it's, is to be healed, which is what drew people to Jesus recognizing that we were, I mean, when you're blind, you recognize, I, this is not the way I'm supposed to be. I should be able to see. So you're drawn to Jesus. When you can't hear, you recognize I should be able to hear. So you're drawn to Jesus. It is a grace given when we recognize that we are, that the world is not the way it is supposed to be. And when we recognize that we should be drawn to Christ who can make it the way it needs to be, who can bring that healing to us and to turn to any other source or to turn to ourselves or to try to fix it on our own is a denial of Christ's power and and that is who he will judge. So. All right, I think. Cool. Let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll do some questions. All right. Question and answer segment. Dun, 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 dun. Here we go. So here we go. Here's the thing, loyal listeners. I know that you all know so much about the Bible mm-hmm. that you have no questions. <laughs> but if you would just indulge us and pretend like you don't know something, that's right. We could have a lot of great conversation. Yes. And as we said, I think we mentioned at the at, at the outset. And if you missed it, we are uh, while we are covering all of August's. August readings on this podcast. Two weeks from today, we will be covering all of September's readings. Yeah. And September, we do Song of Songs, the uh, Song of Solomon, uh, and uh, Isaiah. Well, Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah's huge. <laughs> so we'll be doing Isaiah. Uh, and uh, Psalm 104 through 113, uh, Proverbs 24 through 26, and the end of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, actually. Chapters 12 through 16, which are very big chapters in 1 Corinthians, so you may have a question there. And also um, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and the beginning of Ephesians. So here's the thing. If you have a question about any of those things, you have two weeks. You have That is a lot of time. To Troy. get it to us. That's right. Wow. So, so if you're listening to this podcast right now, look ahead to those readings. Song of Songs, Isaiah. Galatians, or 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Do you have any questions about any of those books or anything that's written in those places? Uh, please send them to us. Text us. 
uh, email us, uh, go to the website, find our contact information, call the church office, somehow message us on Facebook, whatever. We'll get um, it. Yes, that's right. Send us a, send us a question about those things. Because uh, here's what we assume: we assume you're not reading the Bible. You're thinking about leaving the faith because you, <laughs> you're not really inquiring of the Lord about anything. That's right. Um, but uh, anyway, this, uh, surely there's a question. I, I can't not have a question. I mean, I, I read it every time. I, I have questions that I'm searching for answers on. And don't just Google it. it. That takes all the fun out of it. You can go ahead and Google it after you send us the question. That's right. But at least before you get the answer to the question from another source, send it to us. So then you can compare. Compare notes. See if we come up with the same thing. You know, Troy, I used to think that I knew a lot about the Bible. And then I actually read it. <laughs> and um, I was in Hebrews uh, last month just in my personal quiet time. And for the whole first half of the book, I'm like, what even is this? Yeah. I don't even, I mean, I can, it's so much like Jewish tradition stuff that I don't know anything about really. So there are questions and that's New Testament. You know, there's gotta be questions about the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of Hebrews, taking Hebrew, (laughs) (laughs) not to one up you there, but, uh, (laughs) but when you take Hebrew, which is not something I would encourage anyone listening to do unless you really just are passionate about it. And I, it's like one of those things, I, I suffered for you. Uh, <laughs> but when you take Hebrew, when you take Greek and Hebrew, when you study the languages, it opens up a whole nother avenue, not of answers, but of questions. questions. <laughs> uh. And uh, and so you realize, oh, wow, there's now a whole nother section. I did not know what I did not know, you know, and uh, and that's, uh, yeah, I think that's so important. So, so be sure to um, to do that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Questions? I've got a question for right. you. Okay. Here we go. I, I always say this. You've got a question. I've got an answer. Let's see if they match. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Good. <laughs> roulette. Yeah. Bible roulette. Um, okay. Here's the thing. Esther. Okay. I'm reading Esther, right, for this this reading thing, and um, they made a great movie about it. Um, one Night with the King, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I'm reading it, and I get through it, and it's never once mentioned God. God is not mentioned. It's in the entire not mentioned book in Esther. Esther. Yeah. Um, and so I I trust, you know, I've been in, I've I've seen enough to trust mm-hmm. the canon as it as it sits. Um, wondering why you think it may why why it made the cut in your opinion i don't expect you to be this expert of the nicene council <laughs> well, right kinda, but kind of funny that you would not expect me to be the expert. <laughs> you who were there i'm sure that's right me yeah when they asked me should troy should we include this this yeah. was like a recent thing um but it's well, been affirmed for generations now that's correct yes. so um well here's the deal uh it was almost not affirmed. That's the that's mm. the important part to remember. It was that is not a a new question. Um, it has been uh, there was a lot of issues as to whether it should be included in the canon, and um, and the the reality is is that Esther has a lot of even though it never mentions God, it has some incredibly important theologically and historically important events and um, and was deemed before I mean before the uh, New Testament came on the scene Esther was already affirmed mm-hmm. in the canon of the Old Testament and so the question would be was was there a problem really I mean when the Septuagint was written 
which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, when Jesus would have come on the scene. The real question is, is, is there any reason to doubt that, um, that this was, uh, that there was some type of mistake made or whatever leading up to that point? Or is this what, uh, you know, would Jesus not want this included or whatever? And, uh, and really the Old Testament was affirmed. Uh, throughout the New Testament. So it's kind of like uh, we take that as a whole that there was never any, hey, Jesus had his moment <laughs> to say, this is everything's scripture except this. Right. Stop reading you know, Esther. Stop reading Esther. That's yeah. right. And didn't. Uh, and, and so you use, well, that, so that's affirmed. Mm-hmm. So we take, so we take that as a yeah. unit. It's a much greater struggle, I think, to then the early church was then left with the which books of the new? We didn't have Jesus mm-hmm. to right. affirm or deny uh, those. We just had the Holy Spirit, which is not a bad thing, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes can be uh, misrepresented. But they didn't but, give us a written list, right? Says, yeah, exactly. You're so you're allowed when, to write scripture. You're not, you know. Right, and so so there's an apostolic tie to everything in the New Testament, and then the Old Testament is brought into the canon as a result of this is what um, where we believe God was speaking through these different places, and and then again affirmed by Christ mm-hmm. uh, as being scripture. Um, and, uh, and then everybody after him. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that, that would be my simple answer is that Jesus affirms the old Testament as being canon valid. and as yeah. valid. So, uh, so I wouldn't, that's why we don't touch the old Testament. Yeah. Um, the, um, but as far as why that would be the case, uh, you have some incredible themes that are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, the uh, the Agagites, uh, King Agag that uh, that Saul did not deal with, and you have the, that being fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have this oppression of the Jewish people uh, that's taking place, and God's providential deliverance of them, and and using the events that are taking place, and the exile and so forth. It is. An amazing story. I mean, just in, in its in just by itself. But uh, but you also have some people who play part in the exile. You have characters within this who are a part of of uh, eventually the the release from exile, uh, the post-exilic Israel uh, that come from Esther, and so it, it fills uh, fills a void. Uh, we mentioned when we were talking about Ezra that Esther actually comes um, before Ezra. And so it's kind of in that um, transition of time. Uh, and you have this moment when all, and you have, uh, from a Jewish perspective, it's extremely important because you have uh, the Feast of Purim, uh, whatever, yeah. that explains why that, why that's there. And so it's extremely important for Jewish history. Yeah. That makes sense because like Ruth is kind of similar. Like it's a mm-hmm. really important part of right. the story. And Ruth happens to mention God, but it, he doesn't do anything particularly, you know, miraculous yeah. in Ruth, but it's still important. But you know, when you read Esther, you almost have to be, it has to be pointed out to you that God was not mentioned in the entire thing. Yes. You would almost you swear. You think he is. You almost swear that it's like God was in there because he's there the whole time. Mm-hmm. And uh, It's like obvious orchestration of. I mean, it is is a mystery as to why mm. it does not mention God specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would That would be a great question for God when we get there as to why he was so overtly missing. I mean, it doesn't right. make, you wonder, it doesn't really make sense as to why, right. you know, but, but again, it's maybe he didn't have to be like, yeah, exactly. Maybe that's, well, not I mean, like I mean, maybe, maybe it's the, I'm sure he has his own point and his own reasons yeah. for it, but, the, and, and, the, and we can see him uh, in the, 
in the overall action of his hand, even when his name's not specifically mentioned. But ultimately, when we ask God about it, don't ask like Job asks questions. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yes, something like that. I don't know if that's a good enough answer, but uh, that's awesome. That's what I'm going with. Cool. Yeah. Love it. Anything else? Do you have anything else about anything else in the Bible, Daniel? The whole Bible. We, we've nope, covered it's all so much. To me now. We really have covered quite a bit today. Yeah. So. I'm happy with it. I'm happy with this podcast. I hope everybody else is happy with it. Um, if you think, why didn't they talk about this? Well, we well, gave you the opportunity you to ask questions. You had like two months to. And here, and here's the thing. We, um, you know, Daniel and I aren't really hard fast um, hardliners when it comes to if you heard something in the podcast you had a question about. Mm-hmm. When we do the next podcast, we're gonna say no. You can't ask it now. It's too late. You missed it. If you're ever listening to anything, and especially something we're talking about, and it sparks a question in your mind, we would be glad to address that question. Uh, We just simply are, if you ask questions about what we're reading currently, it it kind of flows in the conversation. But we love questions about things that we've already talked about. And um, If we get enough, maybe we can do a special episode of just questions and responses. That would be amazing. That would be fun. We we really just we love your feedback. So give us some feedback. We love the feedback. So uh, but we appreciate all those. Oh, and uh, and if you're listening to the podcast, we live stream our yes. recording of the podcast uh, on Tuesdays on at noon. Page. We changed it. We used to do Mondays at one. Uh-huh. Okay, no longer Tuesdays at noon. Tuesdays at noon is when we'll be uh, doing the recording of the live stream. And want to invite you to come. So then you can interact with us directly. Yeah. And in between, when we take breaks on the podcast, we. Uh, we can interact with everybody. So be sure and join us um, on the next live stream. Will be Tuesday, October something. And not I'm, the not the Tuesday after you're getting this podcast. The next not, one. Uh, Tuesday, October eighth. Okay. I think that's right. Great. That's, that's off the top of my head. So anyway. Yeah. Maybe ninth. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast put on by First Baptist Church of Jackson. If you would like more information, you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com. You can email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv. Or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook and FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places, and we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways, or you can call the church office at 573-243-8415, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.